This evening's reading is from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. Mark, chapter 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered round him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some a 100 times what was sown. In the BBC reality show Monastery, a group of five men from diverse backgrounds voluntarily join a Benedictine monastery for a span of 40 days. The men don't have to assent to Christian belief, but they do have to respect and follow the monks' communal requirements, a strict rhythm of meals, silence, prayer times and so on. One of the stories focused on a man named Tony, a producer of softcore pornography. After some time in the monastery, Tony felt torn. He wanted to keep his job, but he didn't want to lose the peace he was experiencing in the monastery. With two days left at the monastery, 
He shared his concerns with Brother Francis. Tony. No, I'm not going to give up my job. I'm not going to sit in church all day and read the Bible. I need to live. I need to keep my lifestyle. So I'm just a little bit worried. Part of me wants to keep the whole thing alive and carry it through. And I know the minute I get out, it will fade. Brother Francis, I want to give you something that I think will help with what you've just described. Vocation is about discovering who you really are and maybe what you should really be doing. And that is what we're trying to do here. Discover who you really are. I want to give you this stone, this white stone. We have our Christian name, our family name, but we also have another name, and it's called our white stone name. Revelation 2.17 says, Your new name is written on a white stone in heaven. I think our vocation is to find out what that name is, to find our white stone name. After handing Tony the stone, Brother Francis places his hand on his head and speaks a word of blessing over him. Immediately after that exchange, the camera scans to a shot of Tony, outside in the dark, huddled on a bench, deeply affected by Brother Francis' fatherly words of hope and blessing. What will Tony do? Will he go back to his old life? Or will he seek a new identity as a Christian? One of the greatest challenges in the Christian life is that we invest time and prayer in people only to see them wander away from the faith. It is frankly very discouraging when this happens. But Jesus is up front with us. He tells us quite plainly that this will happen. And therefore, we do not lose heart. This section of Mark's Gospel has seen Jesus burst onto the scene. He comes with great authority, authority to call the first disciples, to preach the word of God. He has authority over sickness. He has authority over evil spirits. In chapter 2, verse 5, Jesus forgives sin. Only God can forgive sin. So here is Jesus, fully human, but clearly functioning with the authority of God himself. He is God and man. The religious leaders don't like Jesus. They disapprove of his lack of religiosity, that he heals on the Sabbath. The crowds love Jesus. But the Pharisees and the Herodians, the religious and political elite, are now planning to kill Jesus. Even Jesus' own family think he's out of his mind. Jesus redefines his family as those who do the will of God. And now today, the parable of the sower, or the parable of the soils. Two headings, the parable and its meaning. Firstly then, the parable, verse 1. Jesus begins to teach by a lake. The crowd that's gathered round him is so large, Jesus gets into a boat and uses it as a pulpit. 
He sits in the boat on the, on the lake, while the huge crowd listens on the shore. Verse 2. He taught them many things by parables. Parables are stories which explain spiritual truths. As we'll see in a moment, they function as a kind of filter. The spiritually curious and open can glean much spiritual help from parables. But the spiritually blind and deaf are excluded by them, excluded from hearing the spiritual message. Let's listen to this parable. Let's see if we are spiritually receptive to it. Verse 3. Listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. Using a common farming method of the time, the farmer, the sower, sows the seed without first ploughing the ground. This means that seed falls on various kinds of ground that had not been prepared to receive the seed. Verse 4. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Having ears to hear is the crucial thing. Only those who have a soft, teachable heart, who are willing to surrender to God, to give up proud self-reliance, only those who submit to God have ears to hear. So there's the parable. Now let's look secondly at its meaning. Most people assume that the reason Jesus told parables was to make the spiritual truth easier to understand. But verse 10, when he was alone, the twelve and others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, verse 11, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. The secret. Not everyone knows something if it's a secret. Many parables illustrate aspects of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. For example, the nature of the rule of God over individuals and over the community of God. Verse 11b, but to those on the outside, everything is in parables, so that, and here Jesus quotes Isaiah 6, 9 and 10, Isaiah is commissioned to be a prophet in Isaiah 6, but God tells him very plainly that no one will listen to his message. The people in verse 12, they may be ever seeing, 
but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. So the parables act as a kind of filter. They filter out those who are being saved from those who are under judgment. Those who belong to God, those whose hearts are right before God, those who love God, well, they gain much from the parables. But those who are already hardened against God, they will hear the words of the parable, but they will never see the truth. They will never hear the truth. They are hardened against God, therefore they won't turn and be forgiven. Parables function as an instrument of God's judgment. They confirm people in their spiritual deadness. However, for those who belong to Jesus, Jesus explains the meaning of the parable very clearly. Verse 13, he does expect his followers to understand the parable. If they don't understand this parable, how will they understand any parable? So here's the meaning, verse 14. The farmer sows the word. The farmer is Jesus. The seed he sows is the word of God. The farmer is like any preacher who faithfully shares the word of God. This could be any Christian who talks about Jesus with those they meet. Jesus says, verse 15, some people are like seed along the path. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So the birds that come and eat the seed on the path, the birds are like Satan, taking away the seed of God's word before it has time to affect a person's heart. Verse 16. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So the seed sown on rocky places, where there is not much soil, which is scorched by the sun, is like the person who seems to become a Christian, but falls away whenever there is trouble or persecution. Verse 18. Still others, like seed among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So these people are like plants growing among thorns, which choke the young plants so that they do not bear grain. So far, 
all so discouraging. The Christian person is going through life sharing the gospel, talking about Jesus, and all these types of people fail to thrive spiritually. All of these types of people fall away from the faith sooner or later. But, and it's a big but, verse 20, others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what was sown. Praise God for the seed sown on good soil. A good typical agricultural yield in Jesus' day was between fivefold and fifteenfold. A tenfold return was considered a good crop. So the crop Jesus promises here is astonishing and very encouraging. We can know that if we go through life sharing the gospel, many will bear no fruit, many will be confirmed in their spiritual blindness and deafness, but there will be an amazing harvest for our labours. Just think about this as we plan to take the Christmas cards into Baldock in the next few weeks. There will be those who are good soil, who read the Christmas card, who come to church, who hear the word and are saved. God is building his church and it's very encouraging. And this has happened many times in history at different times under the sovereignty of God. In the 18th century, the Methodist revival resulted in vast numbers becoming Christians. In the 19th century, Britain could boast a very strong evangelical church. Spurgeon was in no doubt that he saw spiritual revival in 1859. There were other Christian revivals, moments of great blessing in which many thousands, tens of thousands, were converted throughout the 19th century. In the 20th century, the west of Europe became hard spiritual soil, whereas parts of South America, parts of Africa, China, South Korea and other places saw great spiritual revivals. Today, God is doing a new thing among the Muslim nations. Many are being converted in Iran, despite great persecution of Christians. This has also been the story in China since about 1950. South Korea is now funding missionaries to take the gospel back to Western Europe from where it originally spread to, to Korea. The gospel spreads with great power and authority and nothing can stop it. The great missionary explorer David Livingston served in Africa from 1840 until his death in 1873. Livingston was eager to travel 
into the uncharted lands of Central Africa to preach the gospel. On one occasion, he arrived at the edge of a large territory that was ruled by a tribal chieftain. According to tradition, the chief would come out to meet him there. Livingston could go forward only after an exchange was made. The chief would choose any item of Livingston's personal property that caught his fancy and keep it for himself while giving the missionary something of his own in return. Livingston had few possessions but at their encounter he obediently spread them all out on the ground his clothes, his books, his watch and even the goat that provided him with milk since chronic stomach problems kept him from drinking the local water. To his dismay, the chief took his goat. In return, the chief gave him a carved stick shaped like a walking stick. Livingstone was most disappointed. He began to gripe to God about what he viewed as a stupid walking cane. What could it do for him compared to the goat that kept him well? Then one of the local men explained. That's not a walking cane. It's the king's very own scepter. And with it, you'll find entrance into every village in our country. The king has honoured you greatly. The man was right. God opened Central Africa to Livingston and as successive evangelists followed him wave after wave of conversions occurred. Yes, when God moves the gospel spreads with great power and authority. So the parable of the sower is a great help to us. It tells us plainly that many will fall away. We're not to be discouraged when this happens. We're not to give up. Because Jesus also tells us that many, many will be saved. There will be a hundredfold yield for our labours. What will we do after a passage like this. Surely God is saying to us that we must be faithful in sharing the gospel. We must be prepared for setbacks and disappointments, but we must be confident, confident in the fact that there is a great harvest of souls ready to be reaped. Shall we make ourselves available to God? Shall we offer him our energy and strength to serve him and his gospel? We have a real opportunity to do that this Christmas. To deliver the Christmas cards, to pray as we go around the streets, to chat to people that we meet on the door. It's a great gospel opportunity. And God promises that when the gospel is preached, there is fruit. I'm very excited about this.
And I really look forward to everyone joining together to share the gospel this Christmas. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that as it takes root in good soil, there's a 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold yield, a great harvest of souls. Lord, we long for this. Lord, we pray for our nation. Lord, you've done it in the past. We pray that you would do it again. We pray for ourselves this Christmas. We pray that these Christmas cards will be read and thought about and that non-Christians will come to the Chris Tingle service on the 20th. And Lord, we pray that many would be converted. We pray for boys and girls to become Christians while they're still young and to serve you for the whole of their lives. We pray for parents who will want to bring their children up in the nurture and fear of the Lord. We pray for older people, Lord, that they will be saved before it's too late. Lord, do a great work in this area, we pray. We make ourselves available to you now, Lord. Take our lips, take our tongues. Use us to speak about Christ. Open a door for the gospel, Lord, which no man can shut. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.